Invasion of Privacy. I'm Kate Wolf, and today I have two special guests. I have Jess Grippo is here. You can say hi, Jess, real quick. Hey. <laughs> I wait for my cue. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so awkward with these. And Eduardo Placer. Oh my God, that was perfect. Hi, yeah. hi guys. Hi. So let me, I'm going to kind of give my quick intros to both of you, and then I'm going to have you guys kind of explain your magic. Jess has already been on this podcast before, but she can go back into how awesome she is and with what she does. So Jess is a dancer, a comedian. Jess, I'm going to let you take it from there. Jess, what do you do real quick? Um, that's a great question in the current circumstances <laughs> when everything feels like weird. Um, but yes, I, I am a dancer. I am a coach. I, I help people reconnect to their creativity and their self-expression, often through dance, um, sometimes through other modalities. And uh, yeah, I'm based in New York, but I'm doing a lot of online work these days. Yes, Jess okay. is also a TikTok star. I was going to say that. I was like, she is a TikTok <laughs> um, influencer, you yeah. know, producer of content extraordinaire extensions yeah. for days, nights, holidays, and weekends, and the best <laughs> hair on TikTok. She gives me Irene Cara flash dance realness, um, and it gives everything this homosexual wants in an afternoon for 30 seconds. Oh my gosh. Well, I love your guys' friendship. Let's go first. Before we get into your friendship, I want to talk about what you do, Eduardo. So you have, your is your business called Fearless Communicator? Is that what it's called? It's called Fearless Communicators. Um, and I'm a story doula Ooh. and an international public speaking coach. And I have the privilege of working with thought leaders on what they say and how they say it. Yeah. Uh, and as a queer Latinx uh, cisgender man, you know, my commitment is to work with those who are poised to make the biggest difference. Yeah. As we look at how traditional leadership or traditional public speaking is inherently patriarchal and colonial, yeah. and how those of us that exist outside of that are forced to perform and conform something that is actually not authentic. Wow. So how do we kind of disrupt that as uh, unleashing of and a liberation of our own voices and our own stories in service of an audience? That's beautiful. And I think it's what we're currently going through right now is people totally. are trying to find their authentic voice and it's about fucking time. Yes, know? absolutely, yeah. It's like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And the, and the beauty is that the work is sourced from the body. And I think that that's something that Jess and I obviously connect to. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a great uh, saying in Aboriginal culture, which is um, knowledge is only rumor until it lives in the muscle. Mm. So um, our bodies carry stories, they carry trauma, <laughs> they carry yeah. generation after generation after generation of stories of our ancestors are in our bones, they're in our muscle. And, uh, and there's something powerful about the, the knowledge that the body has yeah. and, and a respect for the body. And I think that you know one of the things that I, I love many things about Jess Grippo 
-hmm. and I just love her ability to be in relationship to her body and to communicate through her body. I think yeah. it's really powerful and really gorgeous to watch and witness um, and to do so with such beauty, such grace, such joy, such funniness. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so I think that, that that's, a, that's a definite connecting point. And I just say I'm Cuban, so it's in my blood. <laughs> that's my relationship to dance. <laughs> I love your love for Jess because Jess is also one of my favorite people. And so Jess has a business, You Can Dance Again. And I think it's so important because we, you were kind of saying this, Eduardo, we hold trauma in our bodies and our systems and it can make us kind of uptight and tense and rickety. And I love that Jess gets to the heart of we're meant to move. We're meant to be free, expressive creatures. And Plus, like, Jess is just an angel. Like, she's hot, but she looks like an angel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Jess, she makes me straight curious. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go all the way. But I'm definitely curious. I'm definitely curious, you know. <laughs> but it's really more I covered her hair and her legs and her legs in a 1980s, you know, kind of like jazzercise um, stockings and leggings. That, that for me is everything. She's like the model. I think for me, it's like all she needs is like a little bit of spray and some fun bangs. And she's like my ideal of like a 1980s, you know, hot dancer that I like aspired to be as a gay Cuban boy growing up in Miami, Florida, watching things like uh, flash dance and break into electric boogaloo and fast forward, you know, those really, you know, premiere movies of the 1980s. Yes. Well, if there's anyone listening to this podcast who has connections and wants to help produce a remake of Flashdance, yeah. um, I think we should do it. And I want both of you guys in it. And it will be amazing. And we can do a whole play. You know, we, we can do it with like a social justice twist and yeah. you know, like upgrade all the shitty stuff from the eighties that <laughs> you know, like I, I I don't know. I think I think it could be really great. Um let's make that happen, like seriously. We know enough people. Who who would be better for that role anyway than you? And to have Eduardo and I in it, well, because then we can have comedy in there. And like you said, this whole, you know, the social justice environment that we're in, we're changing things. So I'm down. Yeah, I'm 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 aligned. Yeah. So dear angel out there, yeah, if you're inspired, you know, yes to flash dance too. Yes. You know. Yes. We're making it happen. So tell me, how did you guys meet? How long ago was that? And did you click right away? So, um, so Jess and I met through a shared girlfriend named Michelle Goldblum, who is a dear friend. She runs a thing called Soul Camp and Soul Camp Creative. And uh, we actually met at her birthday party. Oh. Which I, now, I was still at that point I think, an so I was a professional actor for 15 years and I had uh, met Michelle in this transformational leadership program and we became fast friends. And I just happened to be in New York and it was her birthday and she invited me to her birthday party and it was the West Village. And I remember meeting Jess and it was like, oh, she's nice, you know, but I didn't know anybody at this party and it felt like weird to kind of be showing up. And it's like one of those, you know, I I'm contrary to popular belief, I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. Okay. So I don't really thrive in those types of settings, but I remembered 
uh, meeting Jess, and then fast forward maybe three or four years, we reconnect on the bus to Soul Camp, where we're both going to be facilitators. Aw. Yeah. And at that moment, I think we were just like instant. I Eduardo could basically breathe, and I would just burst into like laughter and joy because everything <laughs> that he says and does is just joy to my soul. Um, Aw. So, yeah, that Soul Camp, I guess, was like, I feel like Soul Camp's the official place where we met because I'm also like an introvert when it comes to party situations and that kind of stuff for the most part. Unless there's dance involved, I feel like I'm just a little bit like, I don't know anyone. I'm going to kind of hide in the corner and talk to one person. Yeah. And I think it's always also weird, like, because I mean, you go somewhere and you have a connection to the person, but then. I think it's very easy in New York, and now this is not COVID New York, but pre-COVID New York. I feel like there's a way in which like sometimes birthday parties or events in New York can turn networky really fast. Yeah. You know, where everyone's like posturing and it's like, so where do you live? What do you do for a living? How many Instagram followers do you have? Although this was like pre-Instagram. I mean, not really pre-Instagram, but pre what it is, definitely pre-TikTok. Uh, so um, like we weren't in the midst of influencer culture or anything like that, but it, it's it, it's easy for people to just start kind of posturing and everybody's trying to look good. And I get really exhausted with that really fast. Yeah. Um, I also don't drink. <laughs> so so what mean, that means I eat, <laughs> which means I'm in front of the cheese plate or in front of the vegetables, like downing ranch dressing, you know, and crud <laughs> like the crudite and the, and the charcuterie, you know, are the substitute for, for alcohol. So, um, yeah, and then I'm like downing soda water. <laughs> so that's yeah. how I deal with the awkwardness of those situations. So, but yeah, but just basically, and I, we sat next to each other and we just laughed the entire time. We just were, it was, and it, I mean, like, I don't think of myself as somebody who's funny. Like, I, I think I make people laugh, but I'm not like shticky. I just think I sometimes I kind of go off the rails and I follow the joy, I follow the bliss, I follow my clown. Um, and I think that I was actually in a, in a in kind of a business career transition. Again, I had been an actor for about 15 years. I was starting my business. I was in a in a real space of scarcity around, you know, entrepreneurship and starting out and didn't know what I was doing and felt way in over my head. And part of like, I think my friendship with Jess and also like what emerged in that experience was like really connecting to my clown and my joy Aww. and my bliss. And I think following that, I think was a huge opening that I think even shifted how I showed up as an entrepreneur, it shifted how I showed up in business. Uh, it, yeah, it was really playful. And I think that, that, that I, I mean, during the entire summer, I was pretending to be training for Tokyo 2020. And I wore a little Speedo and I would do all these obstacle courses where I would salute the judges and then stick the landing. <laughs> and Jess was like a willing participant in all of it. She was like, yes, please. Uh, so she was a bit of an instigator. So I continued to say yes to the craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Jess. I mean, I have to say, because when I met Jess too, there there was this joy and a familiarity. You know, that soul family kind of thing where you, yeah. you immediately felt like a sister to me. And I feel like you guys had this instantaneous bond too. And I, when I FaceTimed you guys, I guess this was about a year ago, you were watching, you were getting, yeah, you were in the midst of watching the latest OA. 
And I could just tell your guys' back and forth had me cracking up. Like, I don't even remember exactly what was said. It was just a kind of playfulness and a silliness that makes you happy to be around. So I don't know. I really, I really like your guys' friendship. And I fully, I fully can feel the joy that Jess elicits in people. But same with you, Eduardo. Like you have an aliveness and a life force to you. It makes sense that you do what you do to help people be authentic because I think both of you bring out a sense of comfort, but also fun in people. And what's more important than feeling comfortable and safe to be yourself. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't feel safe being their truest selves. And I think that's part of the disease that we're trying to heal right now. It's like authenticity is the thing, but authenticity isn't boring. Like I think some people think being authentic means like you heal into some kind of like Mm -hmm. boredom. What I love about both of you is you're both such spiritual warriors, but alive and fun and free and funny. I I wonder Jess, you know, because uh, as you were speaking, Kate, I was thinking about uh, the healing. You know, I feel like the work that I'm doing, the work that I have the privilege of doing, is a healing mm-hmm. of myself. Like I, I am, like every time I do it, I, I am in relationship to my healing. And I've been thinking about, you know, um, you know, in reflecting on on my journey and and what I do, uh, and you know, the courage of my authenticity is, you know, thinking about, you know, specifically being, you know, Cuban American and a man, you know, who's gay and, and presented and may still present as feminine in, in the world, um, that, that the, that male homophobia is misogyny. It is the hatred of the feminine. Mm. Uh, Like there's no greater like offense or assault to maleness um, than a feminized man. You know, we are bullied, we are picked on, uh, we are macro and microaggressed in the shifting of our behavior. And I've been thinking about, you know, like my voice or my story or who I am is inherently like a rebellion. You know, mm-hmm. it is, it is, it, it, it is also now an act of survival. You know, like the, what I had to learn to overcome all of the programming and all of the, the ways in which in some way there was a primal way in which I was not safe, you yeah. know, in any of the spaces that I grew up in, that I think one, it gives you um, an ability to always be hyper aware of the spaces that you are in. Yeah. Right. So I think that I'm always aware of where I am and my relationship to safety in that space. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think because I'm aware, because I'm able to zoom out, I also have an ability to comment on it. Mm-hmm. And with that comes permission, I think, to speak truth. And I think the thing about comedy and the type of comedy that I aspire to, um, and as a, as a classically trained actor, you know, in, in Shakespeare, the, the allowed fool is the person who is the one person who's allowed to speak truth to power. Mm. And, um, and I think if you think about our, our comedians, you know, if you think about like Trevor Noah and you think about, um, the Colbert report, you know, and you think about, um, John Stewart, um, if you think of, um, 
you know, a Sarah Silverman, right? But what happens is that they speak something, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe they said that. Yeah. And it's hysterical. And it's so funny. It like, it like, uh, it gives uh, a way to loosen up the tap, you know, but it's like, it's a bit of a release. And I feel like that's the power of comedy. And I think that, um, that I think every time that I can release the valve and, and create a space for laughter around whatever that pain is, because there is pain um, there, that I yeah. think that um, it's, it, it, it becomes an act of healing. Amen. Absolutely. I'd like to say a them, Kate, to be inclusive. <laughs> Instead of amen, I say a them. A them. A them. Well, I I completely agree. And then I want to get Jess's opinion on it, too, um, that part of what's healing is this allergic reaction to the divine feminine in women and men. Yes. And feminine energy is expressive. It is raw. It's emotional. And yes, we still love wisdom and that very logical part as well. But when you're choked out by that, you're missing a lot of the heartbeat of life. And I think it's so sad that so many little boys and men are taught that what it means to be a man is to, is to choke out that kind of feeling and sensitivity and, you know, it doesn't just hurt men. It obviously also hurts women. But mm-hmm. I think that's what is happening through all of the shifts and changes. Even I think the coronavirus is trying to put us more in touch with our all bodies, our mm-hmm. mind, body, spirit connection, and, and teaching us it's okay to be human. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to feel. It's okay to dance. It's okay to move. It's okay to just be who you are. And I think once we get there to that kind of acceptance, the whole fucking thing's gonna shift, and I am here for it. I am here for it. Jess, I would love to hear your your opinion on everything. Yeah, no, I mean, I I'm here for it too. I love all of this, and I I heard um, a a new friend and colleague of mine, Daniel Tidwell, recently talk about. We were talking about this the the feminine and the violence that has been um, against the feminine. And he mentioned he was like, for most like more masculine identifying humans, uh, embodiment comes out in uh, in like destructive ways, mm. you know? Like, like think of like the typical jock, right? Not to be too uh, general, but you know what I mean? Someone who like can't access their feelings or have been taught that it's not okay to feel or to cry or to, you know what I mean? To connect to that part of themselves. Yeah. And then they have like a complete roid rage and you know what I mean? Like do something totally destructive and uh, violent. And it's really, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's sad that there isn't more of a, uh, of a norm around feminine energy and ways that we can access it. You know, I think, I think that's why dance is important, uh, especially at young ages. I think, I mean, clearly the work that both of you guys are doing is extremely important. Um, and, and the pain part as well. Like I think each of us are, is coming to the healing work that we're doing through deep pain, through that experience of, having, uh, I don't, yeah, having like missed out on something, having experienced injustice 
in the world, right, through our bodies, and then being like, wait, this, we, we got to change this. Or wait, there's other people like me? I think that was my first thing, too, where I was like, oh, wow. I mean, I'm not the, right? It's like you find other people who, like, can connect to your story or, right, who have, like, been through it, and it makes me want to to do more and to find more of us and to, you know, start that revolution, continue it, um, make it more normalized. Yes. And it reminds me of the strength tarot card because that message is strength isn't just pushing back your feelings and overriding your physical bodies. That's what leads to what you're describing, like an emotional outburst. Strength mm -hmm. is being able to feel into your limitations and your truth and to honor it, you know? So redefining what strength is from a balanced place of the divine masculine and feminine. So, but we've been taught, we live in a society of, you know, keep keep pushing through it. What is it? Like when you do the slap on the ass, go get him, tiger. It's like, no tears, suck it up. Come on, let's go. And that's not real strength. And that does the pain body and that kind of navigation eventually will burst and you're right all three of us have suffered in different ways and it's beautiful when you feel you're not alone and that together we can actually change the whole mentality like it doesn't have to be like this and as new kids are born onto this world we can hopefully create a new way where they don't have to go through the same things we did yeah and i think that through suffering and pain we can access joy Right. Yeah. And I think, that's, that I think that there's ways and I think there's a there's a healing uh, power of laughter. Um, and I think it's probably no accident that uh, we find ourselves in spaces where people uh, are are taken by the joy. Mm. And maybe it's because the joy has been sourced from such deep pain that it's so liberating. You know, like I have the experience when I when I present or when I uh, share, you know, people are like, they feel that they're aspirational to that sense of freedom and liberty, <laughs> right? And it also comes at a great cost. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it's always, it always costs something. Like it, it's physically taxing, it's emotionally exhausting. You know, and like, I do feel like there is a, uh, it is a gift, mm. you know? And I feel like it's, it's, it's a way um, that I can use that gift to be of service, um, yeah. which I think is the, uh, that, that, that it be generous. And I think that's the thing with comedy too, is that, is that you can tell was when comedy is selfish mm. and you can tell when it's generous. And I would say that maybe, you know, to go back to Jess and my relationship, because we did do, uh, we did some improvisational comedy uh, uh, dance competitions, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> just, and why don't you want to do this? And I was like, sure. Yes, and I, I was I, like, I, I, I'm a yes uh, to Jess. Yes, and. So <laughs> we, uh, we competed in this thing and we won it and we didn't know what the hell we were doing. We just kept saying yes to each other. It was just yes and, yes and, yes and. And I think that that's part of that generous spirit again, which is um, I think probably another reason uh, why Jess and I um, have our relationship. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love it too. And I, I just wanna say, I feel like 
this, um, well, it makes me think of a couple of things with Ed Eduardo, with you and I, and I've had the pleasure of being in a room with Eduardo when he's doing his story doulaing and his work as a public speaking coach. And it, I mean, you, like, I've heard you say, before having had that experience directly with you, because I've been part of your events, I know you dearly, right, but not having, like, worked with you in that formal way yet, I heard you say story doula, and I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense, and then when I experienced it, I was like, oh my god, it is, because each of us, there were, how many of us were there, six? There were six, yeah. There were six, right, there's six of us, okay, so, um, six women, each birthing, like giving birth to this super vulnerable, authentic story that I think none of us walked in the room. Like I walked in the room being like, oh yeah, I'll probably talk about dance. I ended up talking about what my period and like speaking publicly, like about like sexual experiences for the first time ever. Like yes. Yes. Oh my God. first line ever. What was your first line? My first line is, so this guy is going down on me. Yes. And, yes. and yes. it was so freeing. And we still have not released the video to the public, but maybe that needs to happen soon. It's happening now. It's happening. Uh, it's happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, um, but, but that the act of getting super raw and authentic and vulnerable, like, I mean, it's an act of labor it's an act of healing. And mm -hmm. you very much were that, you were the doula. You were the one that was like there by our sides, encouraging us, giving us the tools and techniques when we needed them, but also giving us the freedom and space to just be and let it out when we needed that. And it was like that beautiful mix, which I love of like the skill and then also the creative improvisational moments to just, you know, explore. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think that work that you do is a gift and, and it's also a gift just to like, just to be around you and to see you witness you speaking and being yourself, you know, like your, your story of like your seal that you brought in, <laughs> I won't give it away, but like every so time I hear it, yes, it's, it's like a new experience every time I hear it and I've heard it a bunch of times. So I think it's just. Yeah, helping people get more authentic. And Kate, you too, I think you, so I don't know if you know this, Eduardo, but Kate's, um, was that your debut music video, Labia Games? Yeah, yeah. Okay, her debut like rap music video is called Labia Games. And it's like, it's, it's just genius. And it's saying all the things that are like, oh my God, she said that? Or like, you're just like being open in your sexuality, in who you are, in this like, yeah you know, alter ego type of way that is, I think, really empowering. And like your comedy also speaks that to me. Like every time I'm in your presence or I've seen you perform and like do that work, it's like, it's so funny because it's, it's so authentically you and it has like, it's not disconnected from, from the healing, from, you know, from the pain, from all the things that we've been talking about. So like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and sexuality is such a part of our life force and authenticity. And it's part of this thing that's been choked out by this Puritan so mentality true. we're still in. And sexuality is beautiful. You know, it's gotten twisted and there's so much shame and sin energy around it still, unfortunately. 
But talking about one's sexuality is so fun and it's so beautiful. And I love that all three of us in our own ways are really claiming our right to be sexual beings. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would love to go. It kind of naturally went there anyway. I wanted to get into some sexuality talk because Jess and I were even talking, what, like four days ago about pubic hair. <laughs> yeah. And, and just like conversations like that are so fun to have because there's still things like we should, why can't we talk about pubic hair? And yet most people, if you started talking about it, they'd be like, they'd get uncomfortable or shut it down. And it's like, these are things we should be talking about. Like, okay, so I'll, I'll go into my pubic hair situation real quick. And I would love if anyone wants to chime in. May may I offer something for you? Let's go. Let's do it. The term, the term for pubic hair in Spanish is pendejo. Real is that really what bendejo means? Bendejo is pubic hair. Yeah. So oh. and peas are funny. Peas are funny. Pea sounding words are funny. So bendejo, bendejo, bendejo. We're gonna speak about bendejo. Yes. Bendejo. So what I was talking to Jess about is I still feel the pressure of like always having a perfectly shaved vagina. Do you know what I mean? Like especially if you're going to the beach and all that stuff. But like the truth is is I want the freedom to do whatever the fuck I want with my pubic hair. And for for people who want to have the most trimmed, you know, pubic area, by all means, wax, do your thing. But I want also there to be freedom to have hair there. Like if you naturally grow hair, I just know for me, if I shave too much, I get that fucking razor burn. And yet it's like some people would rather have razor burn than fucking hair. And I'm like, why are we so allergic to pubic hair you know what i mean and i'll let you guys take it from here but i just want the freedom to let my pubic hair be whatever the fuck it is i'll still sometimes mm-hmm. shave it but like i just i hate this pressure around it it's so annoying <laughs> yeah don't tame the mane honey let it free <laughs> <Yes. laughs> edward do i want to hear your experience with this um yeah, as, as a gay you. man because i know like i i mean i'm i'm a proud uh uh, Bush, I was going to say Bush supporter, but not that Bush, (laughs) the real, the real Bush. Um, I have, I, I have never, I mean, I, I actually, I, 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 there was one time because of like a certain costume I had to wear in a dance performance that I did a full on like Brazilian wax and I hated it. I felt like, I felt like a preteen like I just I was just like oh this is weird and then it hurt after and it was just like not great but um but again power to the people who love it shave totally like the whole point is like being able to choose what you want not just having to fit into the trends or what you think your partner is going to want and I've had a couple of occasions where uh being with men who have like commented somewhat negatively on my on my the fact that I have hair there, you know, yeah. and I was like, what, what makes you think that you get? Especially, it's not like you know, it was it was relatively new situations. Yeah. So balls are hairy. Why 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 do mine? Why does my vagina need to be hairless? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it can also really hurt, like when it's one thing once again you want to try i do trim you know with scissors great 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 but like when it starts causing pain like i literally i started shaving in high school and i got an ingrown hair that became a cyst back then that i had to get removed and it was like Mm -hmm. i remember my doctor then being like why don't you stop shaving and i was like 
oh my God. I'm mean, like back then I was like, oh my God, you can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it's crazy. It's like, I was more willing to have surgery than I was to stop shaving. It's, it's like when you're starting to hurt your body to, to keep up with something, you know, that there's an issue. So like, and I'm still, you know, in my adulthood, like self-conscious about, you know, I, I don't want to shave all the time. So it's like, especially when it's hurting you, let the hair go. But I, I would love to hear, Eduardo, your experience with pubic hair. <laughs> well, well I, I, want, I want to acknowledge that I'm a gold star gay um, who has never gone down to the Vagina Palace um, to kneel and worship and honor uh, and celebrate and rejoice. Although, although I, I, I am deeply, deeply connected and committed to the full expression of the feminine. Um, it's it's not a buffet that I have ventured towards, um, and feel uh, a, uh, allergic reaction to to the witnessing of in a very deep personal way, perhaps with my face. Um, so I'm not interested in that experience. However, I can speak from my experience um, in my the body of my maleness, um, and say that my my mussy is very hairy. I, I, I do not shave it. <laughs> that yeah. is not something that, that, I, uh, that I do. Uh, and I think it's yet another form of male privilege, you know, to not have to do that. And I, I have been in situations with men who, um, who on their profile may be like, you know, I like guys that are hairless. and like, that's not going to work. Swipe. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's a no. And I'm not going to be in the habit of like maintaining a well-groomed, you know, nether region, you know, just for someone's thing. It's like, that's not, that's not going to work for me. Now, some people may get off on it. Some people are like, oh my God, you know, to, cause I think there's also something about, um, I've had the experience in male, uh, gay culture that sometimes there's like a possessiveness of it. Like a man who, who would shave, um, the, the other man. And, you know, and it's like a, it's a way of like control and, and saying that that's mine, like I did that, that belongs to me, and that's not my politic, you know? So um, so I'm a decline for that personally, and if it floats your boat, tickles the pickle, by all means, kickball change, live your life. Look um, <laughs> that, Mosey. <laughs> yeah, I think that's authenticity, right? Is like, find out what works for you, legitimately, and yeah. do it. So, yeah. Yeah, and having, like more upfrontness from the beginning. Like I, like my sense, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, Eduardo, but I feel like in the queer community, like that's on your profile, right? It's like I think oh. things like that are more openly talked about from the get go. Whereas in hetero culture, if you could even call it that, there's just this assumption that women are going to subscribe to whatever those beauty standards are that are trending or that same quote you know, normal or expected when like, it's not the case. Also comes from porn. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. men are watching porn and, and I think that that's what they think a vagina looks like. Yep. Yeah. You know? So they're shocked when they're actually with a real woman and they're like, oh, it's not what I've been jacking off to since I was like 12. Yeah. You know, and I'm actually dealing with a real person, you know, who doesn't want it on her face. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like she's like, no, get it out of there. Maybe, maybe, maybe for holidays, for Valentine's Day, maybe in the mouth. <laughs> but otherwise, no. You know, you you eat it. 
Do you know what I mean? I'd rather have a load on my face than have to shave my vagina regularly. You know, I, just yeah. just I my lady like. Yeah, <laughs> but but also like porn is most porn to me nowadays is so not it doesn't turn me on because it feels so inauthentic. It's like these like shaved oiled up people that are just banging at each other, but not like really enjoying it. It's like they're just like, ah, ah, boom. Yeah. And it's like. I don't actually feel the passion. And I think a lot of people are once again, operating from that kind of disconnected place, even if it's not sexually, it's like this very disconnected, um, everything looks okay, I guess, in the external, but there's no feeling behind it. So like, I want some, I want some healed porn out there because mm. I go, when I go to porn sites, I'm like, Oh my God. Cause I'm not anti porn, but I would like for there to be more connected porn. That's actually sexy. Mm. In my opinion. Do you guys want porn? I do. Yeah. And, but uh, there, there's the there's that musical um, avenue cue. The internet is really, really great for porn. <laughs> uh, uh, and I also think of Dan Savage, uh, who is fabulous and really liberated, and I think speaks very beautifully and openly about sex and sexuality. And I think I remember because there's a lot of shame around porn too, you know. And he's like, all men watch porn. You know, just accept that women who are porn averse <laughs> and may have issues with it, just accept that men, all men watch porn. Uh, and one of the things that I've noticed as a trend, um, I mean, yes, I think there's fakey fakey. And I'm also watching gay male porn, which does not have that dynamic of, of men and women through the lens of a man. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of like directing a certain experience. It is a male-male experience through the lens of a male. So mm -hmm. I think there's probably some way that we can break down the psychology of that in a different experience to, to male hetero, heteronormative porn. Um, and uh, the thing that I find myself in reaction to now is that what you have now are porn influencers who have their own, you know, only pages and they have their own... Uh, they're they're basically the director and producer of their own porn and they're using their phones to do it mm. and with that what i feel like is like it's like it's like postmodern porn because then they're like it's like it has a wink that i know you're watching at me and now i'm engaged with you but then now i'm going to stop and i'm going to look at the camera uh, and i'm going to move the camera <laughs> You know, and I'm like, that feels weird. Like, I don't want it to be commented on. I, I think I do enjoy watching people who carry like a deep personal connection. And I think that that, is, that can be found with sexual partners who just meet. It can be found with sexual partners who are contracted to be sexual partners with each other. Chemistry is chemistry. And I think um, you don't have, I, I've had a lot of sexual partners and, you know, in that experience, like sometimes you're, you're with someone, you're like, oh my God, I just met you and we are connected. And other times it's like, I could be like reading the dictionary or I could be like mopping the floor or I could be cleaning the windows, you know, <laughs> when will this be over? Cause it's a chore, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Just, just, I've, I've, I've gone through phases 
I will say. I it recently I haven't been into it, but like in my phases, like there was a time where like you porn was a thing. Um I I like erotica. I actually like reading. Um Ooh. erotic stories and there's a whole like um there's a site called Lit Lit Erotica, which is like um women created, you know like verbal porn basically. And there's also audio porn. There's like, there's other forms of it that aren't, you know, as visual, which I think also helps because you can kind of like fill in your own blanks with what you, you know, feel comfortable with or want to see or those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, those are definitely, they've been, you know, they've been helpful <laughs> at times. What? I think Kundalini yoga Ooh. is also um, very powerful for getting a person turned on sometimes. <laughs> There's like certain things that uh, you do that I'm like, okay. That's, uh, that, that tickled. That, that, got, <laughs> that, got, that got my... Yeah, you, you, my, you know, like you access the kundalini, like the energetically can actually get things moving inside without, yeah, without external... That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That reminds me, um, we had one of our, so uh, Kate, I run this program called The Fearless Force, which just participated, which is part of my, you know, in, in adjacency with women, you know, in um, acknowledging that I don't experience the world in a, the body of a woman, I won't experience that. Um, I, I get that my liberation as a queer man is tied to the liberation of women. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I have the privilege of holding a sacred space that allows the truth to emerge and that I empower that truth out of that diverse body um, in service of who they are and their story and their commitment to uh, being of service on the planet. And I was running this program in Australia and we had this woman um, who was in a marriage that was like a complete and total emotional vacuum. Uh, mm. Her husband never looked at her in the eyes when they had sex. She had two mm. kids. Finally, uh, they were on vacation in Thailand after she'd been in therapy and had tried everything to save the marriage. And she was like eating off of his plate because um, she hadn't gotten her food yet. And he said, will you stop eating off my plate, you fucking pig? <gasps> and then she had this like flash of realization, which was, she was like, this man will never bring me joy. And when she went to see the therapist, the therapist said to her, if you went to a restaurant and you were served cold pizza, would you eat the cold pizza? And she said, I'd eat the cold pizza. And he said, you deserve hot pizza. Yeah. You deserve hot pizza in your life. And she's like, oh my God, I deserve hot pizza. So she like went on this whole journey of like discovering where she was being served fucking cold pizza in her life and mm -hmm. how she was like worthy of eating fucking hot pizza. So she left her husband, which had a huge cost with her family and all that other stuff, but it was like a huge form of liberation. And then she went to lots of pizza parlors and ate a shit ton of pizza. She tried Aww. a lot. Of, there was Greek pizza. There was Italian pizza. There was Moroccan pizza. They had pineapples. You know, she, she shopped at all the shops. And then finally, she ended up in this relationship with this man who was a Navy SEAL, hello, um, <laughs> Australian Navy SEAL, who like would look at her when they were having sex. And she was like, this is so weird. Why are you looking at me? And he was like, because I love seeing you when you're turned on. Like, I, I want to be looking at your face. So she said, I, so this one time I'm on top of him and I'm riding him and I'm staring into his eyes and I feel this energy rising from my chach. And as it rises up, I kundalini scream at the top of my lungs. I am a goddess. 
Hot pizza. <laughs> I don't feel may we all have that. May we yeah. all have may we all kundalini scream at the top of our lungs. I am a goddess in ecstasy, in pleasure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll order one of those. Thank you. <laughs> I love that story. Because that's also part of sex. Like when you're when you're having sex and you're in that space and you orgasm, you climax. You're reaching the feel good, right? It's like you, you want to feel that that it's it's joy, but it's like it's hard to express. Yeah, it's an ecstasy kind of feeling, right? And we want to feel that state as often as we can, but it's also linked to freedom and the whole thing. So it's like, who wouldn't want that? You know what I mean? And yet so many of us were healing this place of self-hate that like, it's like we want it, but you also have to really know you're deserving of it. And I'm still healing insecurities and a bunch of things to make me feel deserving of a certain kind of joy. But Sex is so important in the whole thing, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's a there's a movement now. There's a book that I read. Um, it's uh, or I, I just bought. I haven't read it yet, but I'm really excited about it. By this woman named Adrienne uh, Marie Brown, and it's on pleasure activism. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, and following her work. Yeah, and she also has this book called Emergent Strategy, which I'm in the process of reading, which is really brilliant, but. Um, part of it is, uh, I think, the way in which desire uh, and pleasure, specifically for women and also queer bodies, uh, has been uh, punished, brutalized, uh, uh, repressed, um, criminalized. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that, that the act of pleasure and leaning into the pleasure and leaning into that desire and celebrating that is a form of activism. It, it, it is a political act. Yes. Um, you know, as a gay man being actively engaged in the expression of my pleasure is political. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that I can ex- experience ecstasy and joy through that um, is a liberation. Yes. Yes. I almost want to call this the liberation of pleasure, this episode, mm-hmm. because it's, it's exactly you're, you're, you've hit the nail on the head. We have a right to pleasure. We have a right to feel good. It's part of our birthright to yeah. abundance in general. And yet so many people are used to a type of suffering that, you know, now some pain and some suffering might just be a part of life. I'm still debating that within, but we have a right to feel good. We have a right to pleasure. And and young children are also born as sexual beings. And they're taught so young, like, you know, by parents, there are different extremes of it. Like some kids are literally taught masturbating is a sin. But even those who aren't to that extreme, it's still like something to be ashamed of, to want to feel good in your whole body or in your private parts, wherever. And it's like, no, we're, we're allowed to have pleasure, not just sexual, but in general, that's why we're here to experience life. And yet there are just a lot of uptight zombie motherfuckers walking this earth. It's that Puritan mentality again. And it's like, no, you know, yeah. I, I want to come. I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to be coming through this life. Yeah. yeah. And I, I can't help but think about, 
religion and Catholicism, which is what I grew up with and how, um, yeah, how, uh, how inhibitive, how, how much religion in this, you know, uh, patriarchal context is so much about like restricting pleasure to connect with God. You need to be pure. Like there's all these things. And I've been studying with this woman, Alessandra Belloni, who, um, she is of Southern Italian origin, which is also where my ancestors are from. My father was born in Southern Italy. And, um, and I'm learning dancing and drumming of like, of my ancestors during the pre-Christian, pre-patriarchal, pre-whitewashed time where, first of all, where God was a black woman, is a black woman. Like her whole, Alessandra's book is called Healing Journeys of the Black Madonna. And it's about unearthing all these hidden, um, uh, uh, what's, I can't think of the word, um, relics of, of, of Madonna, of Mary as black that have been, you know, buried in, in a lot of the um, Catholic culture, but are actually alive and well and still being worshiped in a lot of these small offbeat towns. Mm-hmm. And um, and the rituals and the things that she talks about and that I'm learning and unfortunately I don't think I'm gonna be able to go to Italy because of the travel restrictions. But I was gonna go there and study with her and like experience these things firsthand. But like there were these like these dancing and drumming rituals that like some of some of which become orgies and some of which are just you know but like and some of them are these trance dances that you get into this altered state and heal from sexual trauma or from you know the the, what they call the, the bite of the spider. That's where the tarantella comes from, where we think of this like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a happy wedding dance. But the tarantella, its roots are this ancient healing trance dance to heal you from the bite of the tarantula or the spider, which mm-hmm. can represent um, sexual abuse or other, you know, other, other things that can happen to a person. Um, so I've been super into like studying that part of my history and ancestry and reconnecting to like, oh yeah, like this is, you know, whatever religion has put on us today, it actually wasn't always that way. Pleasure was worshiped. It was a form of healing. You know, this was like, this was what people did intuitively. Yeah. I, uh, what I love just about that too, and I think that there's an awakening that's also happening, I think as we're deconstructing the various ways in which history and narrative is from the eyes of the conqueror, you know, is is our own roots and our own stories like our, um, you know, indigenous, and I don't mean that purely like as a, uh, and I, maybe what I mean is ancestral, like what what is our ancestral language? What is our ancestral movement? And I think that there's, uh, I love that what I'm hearing from you, Jess, is like a reconnecting to where your family comes from and and, and learning how to move in the way your ancestors moved you know, uh, learning how to to play and create and express in a way that's probably, like the memory of that probably lives in a cellular level in your body, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I do feel like one of the privileges of growing up in Miami, for me, as somebody who's Cuban and also has Spanish origin, that there are ways in which when, when I was on Cuba or when I, um, I visited Spain, that there's this exhale of like, I know this land, I know these people, I know this language, I know the stories, I know... I, I can breathe here, like it, it's a part of my fiber. Um, so I love that, and I think that's that's pleasure too. That's also reconnecting, it's yeah. reclaiming, it's um, 
uh, it's bringing back to light the knowledge and the wisdom that's always been there. Um, but uh, bringing it present again, I think is what I, what I hear, which is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And so many, you know, I love how you said ancestral. So it's ancestral or like, if we can just talk though about more primal energies and communities that were more in touch with the land, they were, they embraced sexuality differently than a lot of Christian or Catholic religions do. You know, we, when we came, it's so funny, like a lot of the stuff we're healing right now in the US are these wounds of when, you know, these ships came over and took over a whole land and people that were already here, you know? So it's like- I mean, and I say, until we acknowledge that the, the foundation of this country was on genocide, like the genocide of indigenous people, and the enslavement of a whole race of people who on our constitution says are three fifths of a person. Yeah. And we're not every, everything like everything else is just putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> like that's like, that's the truth. You it know? Is. And I think part of the discomfort is like the, and the ways in which like, even for myself who like my family appropriated that history when they came here in 1959, like my family were not Confederate soldiers or my family were not, um, you know, we're not in this country, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So there's ways in which we, we appropriate that story or that narrative, that history, the parts that we like, but not the parts that we don't. Mm -hmm. And like the reconciling that Cuba is a colonial island, you know, that was colonized by Spain. And mm -hmm. there was the genocide of their indigenous people and the enslavement of black bodies. So it's the same history, you know, and then benefited from the privileges of a socioeconomic system that was built upon that in Cuba, which afforded my family the opportunity to make their way to the United States. So it's like, it's really fucking deep. Yes, yes. And it's important that we acknowledge that as a whole, which is where we're trying to get. And once again, sexuality and a lot of those other cultures that were raped and pillaged, they knew the importance of a healed sexual sexuality and sexual being. So we're trying to just we're, we're healing so many historical wounds right now. And, you know, the three of us are about it because there, there's too much pain. Like a lot of people right now are feeling pain that I've been feeling my whole life almost, you know, mm -hmm. like with Corona and all these other things going on, some people I feel like have this attitude of, oh my gosh, it just got crazy now. And I'm like, guys, it's been crazy since I was born into this. <laughs> like, okay, it's, it's always been crazy. You know. <laughs> just now are being confronted by it. Uh, yeah. Didn't have to, you know, yeah. be with us. But yeah. My gosh, look at what we talked about today. <laughs> Thank you both for coming on. Um, let's, yeah, we'll start the whole wrap up thing. Eduardo, where can people find you? Uh, so the best way they can follow me on Instagram at Eduardo Placer, um, E-D-U-A-R-D-O-P-L-A-C-E-R. And they can also find my work on uh, my website, www.fearlesscommunicators.com. And uh, there's a, I have this little uh, PDF guide, you know, that you can sign up and get that's called 10 Simple Backstage Tips to Go from a Speaker to a Star. So I get to be Jiminy Cricket for people and, you know, be their positive voice, uh, little angel to say, you can do it. You do you, boo-boo. You're amazing. <laughs> Love it. 
Jess, where can people find you? Love it. Um, you can find me on Instagram as well at Jess Grippo, J-E-S-S-G-R-I-P-P-O. Um, it's probably the best place. Um, the link there on my bio will take you to JessGrippo.com. I also have something you can do, which is a 13-day dance challenge called Dance Alone Together. Um, so if you're feeling a little bit boxed in and wanting to dance, especially during these quarantine times, it can be a great uh, a great instigator for your body and your creativity. And your TikTok channel. channel. Oh, and TikTok. I always, you know, I forgot about TikTok recently. I've been slacking on it, but I need to make more TikTok soon. But yes, TikTok at Jess Grippo on there as well. Um, come TikTok with me. <laughs> Go TikTok with her. And then for me, at the Kate Wolf on Instagram. And if you want a healing, you can email me kwolf2fs27 at gmail.com. And thank you both so much for coming on and for this important talk. And I love that we, I love how it drifted or drifted sounds. I love how it traveled to sexuality. I really do. Like I said, I, I wanted to get there anyway, but it went there naturally. And I think the connection between the spiritual journey and healing and sexuality is something that it's just, it's just all connected. It's very important. So thank you both for being so brave and fearless and authentic and being able to share it as openly as you both did. Thank you, my darling. Till the next time. Bye. 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 Bye.